beyond making a profit, what benefit does your business have for society, for people, for the planet? I stumbled across B Corp after a really good early midlife crisis, 2018 or 2019. Around about 30% of the British population said that their job provided them with no meaning and was more than likely contributing to destroying the planet. We, we start off all our engagements with what we call the kickoff session. So we, we run typically an online workshop with the whole company where we explain to everyone in the company what is B Corp, where did it come from, why does this company want to be a B Corp and what do we hope to get out of it. Welcome to the HR LND podcast, where we explore cutting edge HR trends and best practices with top leaders who are shaping the future of work. Hello, and welcome back to the HR LD podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO at JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist global HR and HR tech recruiters. Now, today I'm joined by Tim Jones, who's founder of Grow Good, an ESG and B Corp consultancy, and host of the Better B podcast. Now, Tim is a one man B Corp legend, and as a speaker, motivator, and expert B Corp consultant, Tim's going to join me today all the way from Christchurch, New Zealand, to talk to the HR L&D podcast listeners all about the B Corp businesses, sustainability, finding purpose, and more. Now, to give you some context, since 2015, Tim has helped more than 100 businesses on their journey to becoming B Corp certified. And Grow Good itself is a three-time certified B Corp. Now, as HR leaders, we're all committed to building inclusive, equitable, and regenerative environments for all of our people. But why should we stop there? Why not build an equitable and regenerative planet as well? Why can't we all start by building a businesses as a force for good? Well, let's find out. Welcome, Tim Jones, to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good, Nick. So I can go with a Kiora uh, for New Zealand, and I'm also half Welsh. So I'll go with Shamai just to cover ah. all our uh, all our listener bases. Fantastic. <laughs> well, that is something I didn't know. But what a great way to start. Well, listen, let's start with the first question I'll ask all of my guests, which is this: What do the words yeah. human resources mean to you? It's a great. It's a it's a great and a loaded question. I, I always felt I struggled with the HR departments in companies I work for because um, I've always been a bit of a rebel. A rebel, a rabble rouser, um, pushing the envelopes. So, um, yeah, I, I quite often found myself possibly having conversations with HR. Um, so, um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have always have great um, memories for me. But I think increasingly, um, yeah, HR is everything that you sort of open with. You know, how, how do we create places where people can thrive? Um, but I still, I, I don't know. I, I guess a lot of people have changed it to you know, people and culture, or that, that HR just it still seems to have got um, what sort of baggage around it. I think oh. as a non-HR professional, that would be. Yeah, my... I, I don't, I don't think that's incorrect. I think the industry is evolving now into the world of people management, right? And I think you were talking about being a rebel sometimes towards HR. I mean, arguably, at the end of this conversation, we're going to need a few rebel people or HR professionals to push back to their own businesses if they want to discover 100%. more and, and evolve their businesses into becoming one that, that really can impact sustainability in the planet. So let's jump into what's really important, what we want to talk about today. What is a B Corp? Where does it come from? Perhaps yep. you can give our listeners some context. Totally. Um, so B Corporation, so certified B Corporations are this new form of business which must balance purpose and profit. So rather than solely focusing on maximizing shareholder return, they must consider the impact of their operations on all their stakeholders. And, and more specifically, that would mean um, their local communities, their workers, um, their uh, customers, um, and their supply chain. And 
the, the B Corp, um, I, I like to call it the creation myth story. It's sort of where it came from. It actually came from a, um, a group of guys or two guys in particular who used to run a company called And One, which back in the day was um, basically second only to Nike for basketball apparel um, or shoe sales globally. This is sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And um, the, the, one of the co-founders of And One went on to become the co-founder of the B Corp movement. His name is Jay Cohen Gilbert. And he had a couple of what, what I call, um, depending on, on the age group or, or the age of the person listening, if you're a Monty Python fan, if you're, if you're of a certain middle-aged disposition, um, you might remember the sketch where John Cleese slaps Michael Palin in the face with a big salmon. And uh, yeah. I call it the, ex- the existential wet fish to the face moment when something just comes in, hits you in life that shakes you, you know, metaphysically and, and sends you on a different track. And Jay had a couple of those moments in quick succession, and he, and he kind of realized that actually us selling more shoes than Nike no one really cares apart from me and a couple of other people on the board here. But fundamentally, the world will keep turning and no one else really actually cares if we sell one more basketball shoe than Nike does, you know, other than maybe a couple of people at Nike. And so he he started looking in the business and thinking about, well, you know, how can I do some more good on the journey rather than aiming just to make as much money as possible? And so the company was headquartered in Philadelphia, quite a low socioeconomic area. Um, they started working with some charitable partners to do um, leadership outreach programs to at-risk youth, helping get kids off a justice path system into sort of meaningful employment. Um, I guess before it was cool and trendy with your Googles and your other large companies providing yoga therapy and massage therapy and, you know, all that kind of stuff that they were doing that. Um, they also offered significant amounts of employee ownership to the staff, um, which again, fairly unheard of at scale that they were doing it. Um, and then they also started looking at their supply chain and, and making sure that, you know, I guess, like I say, this was late 90s, early 2000s. They were trying to make the supply chain better, but I wouldn't say it was a world-class supply chain that they, you know, that they sort of created. And having gone down this path, you know, all their stakeholders thought the business was amazing, that the customers thought they were fantastic, their employees thought they were legends, the local community thought they were great, the supply chain thought they were great. And that was working really well up until 2005 when Jay exited the business. And on taking the business to Wall Street, the first thing they did was look at all the numbers and sort of go, well, you've got a great brand, but the numbers are terrible because you're giving away all this equity to your staff and your community. And, you know, so we need to riff all that out. And so having gone through the sale process of the business, he got together with um, uh, one of the other guys, Bart Houlihan, who was his chief operating officer and CFO at And One, and one of the Wall Street bankers, Andrew Cassoy. And they, they came together and initially looked at creating a new business together where they would you know, keep all this good stuff. They'd bake it in from day one and, and not get rid of it. Um, and over a few conversations, they looked at creating a retail store, um, pizza stores, uh, blah, blah, blah. And eventually they sort of had this moment of saying, well, hang on, instead of creating one more business, what if we created a global movement of businesses that aim to be the best for the world, not the best in the world? And so in 2006, they they bought this B Corp certification to market. They took it to a group of their connections and said, hey, look, you know, we've created this thing. Would you give it a go? And see what it looks like. And so, yeah, that was 2006, and and now we're 7,000 plus businesses further down the track, and and it's it's becoming a real force, you know, for good at scale. It's been a real meteoric rise. I mean, I've been watching. We we launched uh, my business here, JJ Recruitment, in 2008, and at that point, I had yep. something I'd never heard of. And now suddenly, you know, it's yep. uh, seeing more and more businesses pop up with their B Corp certification and all of other businesses striving to achieve it. Um, Yep. Why, why do you think it? You know, what was it that gained it such traction? Why did it grow? Why is it growing so quickly? How did that start? What motivated you to become a B Corp specialist as you are? Because obviously something must have resonated yeah, yeah. with you. 
And what's the yeah, B? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the, 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 yeah, the, so what the B is the B Corp. <laughs> that's the million dollar question, uh, which I frequently forget to tell people when I explain what B Corp is, because I guess like I'm a fish in water and I just know that. So the B yeah. stands for benefit. So basically beyond making a profit, what benefit does your business have for society, for people, for the planet? Um, I stumbled across B Corp after a really good early midlife crisis. So I, I had a, a similar existential wet fish to the face moment a la J. Where here, where I live in Christchurch, New Zealand. So I'm originally, like I say, originally from the UK, um, live in Christchurch, New Zealand. In 2010, 2011, we had a series of massive earthquakes. And so it's well documented that if you have, you know, a collective near death experience, and, and literally, you know, we had a near death experience when you're being rattled around in the house at 4 a.m. when the first earthquake went off and, and you literally thought you were going to die, um, followed fairly closely in 2012 by the birth of our daughter. Over that sort of two-year period, I, I experienced what in the psychological literature would be called um, a subconscious awakening. So a, a near-death experience, death of a, a loved one close to you or someone close to you or the birth of a child can trigger this massive change in, in perspective on, on the world. And so I used to sell medical devices, um, and that's quite pertinent at the minute. I guess plenty of people currently watching Painkillers on Netflix, um, you know, pretty much that's how the medical device world works. I, I used to sell hips and knees and then instruments and implants, so spinal instruments and implants. So my job was to convince an orthopedic or neurosurgeon to use my piece of metalware rather than Nick's piece of metalware. And around the fringes of that, companies realize that there's lots of money to be made from that. And so maybe we will send the surgeon to a conference in New York, and maybe we'll turn a blind eye to the fact that his wife and kids are coming along for the week, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I, I'd been immersed in that industry um, and enjoyed it because part of my job was to go into the operating theater and, and work with surgical teams and make sure that they were using our product in the, in the best way. And, you know, you're almost like a walking, talking Google for them to turn around and go, oh, what, what do I do next? And you'd kind of go, well, you get the widget and give it, give it a hit here. And right, it, it, there you go. And so, you know, a job that, sh that fundamentally was quite full of meaning. But the wider industry was clearly just about profit maximization. And so having had this kind of epiphany, I just realized, well, that, that seems a bit average. Um, and there was one of the companies I used to work for that, that there was a lawsuit against it where basically they knowingly pursued um, the launch of a product. And the first four surgeries, patients died on the operating table. And the main reason they kept going was because the surgeon was a shareholder in the company. And, and he wanted to make sure that the product you know, got launched. And so got really disillusioned and, and left that industry and then ended up in the world of property consultancy. So I worked for a firm of surveyors and engineers. And I, I kind of thought that the medical device world was pretty corrupt and, and, you know, all about the money. And then I discovered the world of commercial property development. And I realized actually, not only do they not really care about people, they, this crew don't even care about the planet. It's, you know, and, and living in Christchurch where we were literally rebuilding the city and, and the populace wanted a livable city that was green, that was kid-friendly, um, you know, that had great public transport. Meanwhile, the property developers wanted cheap, quick, and basically biggest financial return I can get on putting up the quickest building in, in the cheapest way. And so there were all these tensions that were going around in my head and working for this property consultancy, I just started Googling um, you know, better business, or I can't even remember what I Googled, but I was looking for for some kind of HR package to, to help because I was starting to build a team in the South Island office. So I was looking for some sort of HR guidance, <laughs> ironically, like how to how to start building a team and, and galvanizing your teams. So I wasn't getting that much support internally from the HR team. Um, but also had this real interest in green business, you know, and, and how could how could we as a business plug into the rebuild and, and, and help build a better city? 
And on this internet rabbit hole journey, I discovered B Corp. And I just thought, wow, this is this is the thing. It's instead of just make as much money as possible, it's actually consider how you operate as a corporate citizen really holistically and, and have like a higher, yeah, sense of meaning, higher sense of purpose. And so I reached out to um well, I had a, I had a look on the listing and thought well, there won't be one in New Zealand because New Zealand's normally pretty far behind this kind of stuff. Um, turned out there were two of them in New Zealand and there was one in Christchurch. And so I emailed the CEO and said, hey, I've just stumbled across this B Corp thing. This would have been 2014. Um, and just said, hey, can I just kind of have a chat, see what you know? And, and I booked what you know should have been a 45-minute coffee meeting. I left Steve Arder's office about four hours later, just, <laughs> you know, like head blown, like, wow, there is a whole other way of running business, which just seems to make a whole lot of sense. Like I say, instead of just how much money do we make? And by doing that, it's typically putting pressure on the people. It's putting pressure on our suppliers. It's leading to a, a worse product, um, you know, for our customers because we're cutting a corner somewhere. It's actually, no, how do we how do we make this thing better for everyone? So, yeah, here we are, however many years later. <laughs> nice. That's a, it's a really 11, interesting 11 years story. Later. And obviously, yeah, so, sorry to hear about your challenges at the start of that story, but... Um, what was really interesting, we, we linked this to the world of, of human resources and the people listening to this, is where there was a, a, a clash between your values and the values of a business and how if they're not aligned, ultimately you have an unhappy yep. employee. Now, okay, that's this is one individual. But if you put that at scale, suddenly we're talking yep. about some of the major cultural challenges that HR professionals are facing, which is, and yep. also delivering. You know, they're often tasked with, with uh, evolving cultures and transforming cultures, aligning yep. values with workplace, you know, uh, um, aspirations and so on and so forth. Yep. But they'll know that, that that kind of change is never easy. You know, systematic change is never easy. It's complex. It takes yep. time. Uh, it's one of the biggest challenges that, that, that people professionals are faced with at the minute. And it requires really, really strong leadership. It really also yep. requires robust and, and, and credible alternatives, right, to the existing system. And that's something that, again, you often uh, met with resistance from boards or from people that don't want change. So putting this yep. into the context of a B Corp business, if I'm an HR leader listening to this at the minute, we've been <clears> a business leader, and I want to become B Corp certified, how can we start that journey what's what are the first kind of steps we yep. should be taking in order to, to make that cultural shift that's a great question and and just reflecting back on on that i, I as you mentioned we've got a podcast of our own where, where we interview b corps who've been through the process and we, we we typically try and talk to the ceo and work out like why did they do it and what, what was the, what did they learn on the journey and the most recent one i, I recorded last week ollie hunt he, he actually works for a, he created his, his own medical device company and he he saw and, and was he had a glimpse into um, what how the medical industry is running, and as he said, you know, he, the key for me is having that strong leadership because you know he founded this company. So he basically has a company called MedSouth, where they take products that in the medical device system are sold as single use because it's more profitable for the companies to sell you as many as yeah. possible, and the hospital throwing it into the rubbish bin. Well, that's not their problem. That's the hospital's problem, and that's you know the, the population's problem or, or you know the taxpayer's well, planet's problem. problem. <laughs> and, and the plan is problem, obviously, yeah. And so he's created this product where basically he'll take what what could have been a single use product and he'll he'll basically remanufacture it and recycle it and put it back into the system. And you know he he was saying talking about their, their core values and you know he he literally says if if anyone in the company wants to stand up and say we we've gone against one of our core values, I'm cool with that. What I found typically working in large companies was I would point to the values. And then there'd just be some sniggering and you go, oh, he mentioned the values. <laughs> what a silly little boy. It's like, yeah, that's just for marketing. And 
so I think the, the key is, is, is leadership has got to get this. Um, and, and if, if you, you know, why they will get it. And I think why they are getting it, and this is coming back to, you know, why is B Corp um, growing so much? What we're typically finding is businesses are coming under pressure from four main groups, from customers, from employees, from their supply chain, and increasingly from investment. And all four of those groups of people are looking at your business and going, sure, beyond making money, though, tell me about how you do that. And what what are you doing for people and planet? And why should, as, as a prospective employee, what, why should I come and work for you? There was a really, it's, it's one of my favorite statistics because it's so awful. It was a, a YouGov survey in the UK. I think it was about 2018 or 2019. Around about 30% of the British population said that their job provided them with no meaning and was more than likely contributing to destroying the planet. <laughs> it's like, where do you go from there? <laughs> So what, what, you know, where do we like, go from there? What, what are the steps? I'm, I'm an HR leader listening to this. You know, I'm passionate yeah, yeah. about improving the, uh, the our business in, in the four facets you've talked about for our employees, for our yeah. supply chain and and, and, yeah. and, and and stakeholders and so on and so forth. What, what's the next step we should take? Because we know that there's going to be resistance here potentially within a business yeah. because we're talking about change. We're probably talking about investment. We're probably talking about a lot of our books being... Uh, you know, looked over. I, I don't know the ins and outs yep. of the process, but presumably yep. there's going to be some uh, due diligence here as to whether or not you yep. can certify a company. Because I know it doesn't come easy. Uh, tell us about yep. the steps that need to be taken and things that that perhaps I need to be prepared for. Yeah, I mean, so so I think Jamie Oliver, his his uh, restaurant group is a B Corp, and and when he got the the certification, he described it as saying it was it was as invasive as having the tax man have a rifle around your nickel drawer. Um, you know, they get into the weeds. They they want to know that you that you can prove the things that you're claiming that you're doing. That's for sure. Um, I, th- I think like any change, you know, people only change when they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And so, th- typically, th- there's there's going to be some push or pull factor here. Either you know you're really struggling to recruit people. It's like we are lo- we are hemorrhaging employees to the other companies. And, and this is part of my kind of theory of change is if we if we can create more B Corps who are having a better party on the street, more people are going to want to work for them. More people want to go Absolutely. and buy from them. More people want to invest in them. So there's there's possibly going to be some some yeah like pull factor or push factors where you might be losing out to similar organizations of a similar size, similar magnitude, who have got a clearly declared higher purpose and are a B Corp or, or at least able to demonstrate that they're making a positive contribution because <clears throat> that desire for meaning and contribution and purpose is innately human. And I think if you look over business for the, since the industrial revolution. That's kind of just been like, we can put that in a little box. You come to work for eight hours, you just do what you're told to do. You do your spreadsheet, you do your thing, and then you get to go home and then you get to be a human again. I think we've we've dehumanized work historically since the Industrial Revolution. And so push factors um, and then some pull factors are going to be, well, you know, are you someone who generally wants to to make a difference in, in your working life? And I think, you know, HR teams are are hugely instrumental in in helping define and, and develop the culture and and you know pushing where L and D is happening and and helping companies go on that journey and providing the evidence. Say, look, actually, you know, we're not going to get the next lot of employees coming through the next two to three years because because we're lacking in in a purpose and a mission and a vision. But this is the key: is, is it has to be authentic because increasingly, like I say, companies I work for they 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 used to have the values inscribed in stone, you know, on the wall, but they would ignore them. To make more money, yeah, and increasingly people they're seeing through that so so quickly, and and where possible and practicable, they will vote with their feet and go, 
uh, this, 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 you know, this doesn't feel right. And so I think sort of beyond anything, um, there's a guy, um, oh, let me just find the quote before I butcher it. Um, it's called Gus Speth. Um, and he um, is an environmental lawyer. And um, when it comes to sort of, you know, trying to make a change into the world and, and, and solve big complex problems, he said, I used to think that the top global environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse and climate change. I thought with 30 years of good science, we could address these problems, but I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed and apathy. And to deal with these, we need a spiritual and cultural transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. And I think that for me is the crux of where HR and L&D can play this massive role. It's like, actually, how do we rehumanize work? How do we help senior leaders genuinely connect to be their authentic versions of themselves? How do we have these proper conversations at work about big things that matter? You know, which again, for, I mean, I'm 10 years out of, of, of being employed. So maybe things have changed. But for me, it was always kind of like, keep your nose down. Don't put your head above the parapet. Don't point the things out. Don't point it to the elephant in the room. Just get on with your job because actually we don't want to be challenged. And so, yeah, I think HR can help really create a genuine culture of, you know, challenge and, um, you know, let, let's actually point, call things out, you know, which which aren't working well. And let's, let's create a better company, which, which is why our program to help people become a B Corp, we call it Be Better. Just be better than you were yesterday. You know, we're not, we're not sure. expecting everyone to be perfect and, you know, do what you can with what you've got today to be 1% better for people and planet. That will compound, you know, and once you start going on the journey, I think, it, you know, it's the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah, just start somewhere. As well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing a lot of this uh, this change happening, and, and and it's great. You know, it's um, there's a real movement happening anyway, with people trying to improve their their business in terms of inclusivity, in terms of di- you know diversity, uh, and you yeah. know why not why not limit that? I mean, it, we need to keep looking <clears throat> at sustainability and and beyond as well, right? And economically, and and, and so yeah. on, and the impact that we have. Yeah. And I think obviously this is a movement towards that. So yeah. I'm an HR professional. I've decided, you know what, there's something I'm passionate about. I've managed to convince the the board this is a journey they should follow. Um, what's the first step? And maybe they'd. they'd contact someone like yourself Tim would be the, the first step on that on that journey yeah so I mean I would 100% advise anyone who's listening who's even vaguely interested so the, the to become a B Corp you have to navigate what's called the B Corp impact assessment now to go if you, if you just google B impact assessment or B Corp impact assessment it will pop up it's completely free for you to sign up and create an account and start looking at your business through the lens of being a B Corp the only times you would ever need to pay any money is if you decided you did need some help from someone like myself, and there's a ton of us around the world who can help you do that, or and or when you actually want to go and get your, your self-assessment independently verified to, to actually get the B Corp designation. You might be able to see my B Corp certificate behind me here. Yeah. So to, to actually get the certificate and be independently verified, you have to pay a, pay a, a, you know, a fee to go and have that audit done. But to go and have a look at the impact assessment, what we typically find is it's it is a true tool of illumination because it will you'll be asked questions of your business that you just have not even I didn't even know that was a thing. And now that I know that's a thing, I kind of can't unsee it. And now I want to go and have a conversation with someone internally and work out, do we do this? Have we even thought about this? Or or actually, you know, um, we've kind of been trying to work out how to do this. And actually, this question has just posed it in a way that makes it really tangible that we can go, oh, I get it. We just need a policy or we need to change this or we need to have a look at that. So the, the B Corp assessment is a really cool framework and roadmap that 
it's kind of like a galvanizing tool quite often where it will bring these disparate strategies and ideas across different parts of the business. So people, like, so, so the assessment looks at five areas of your business, it looks at your governance structure. So who owns the organization? Do you have codes of ethics? Do you have whistleblower policies? Um, is it transparent as to, to work out who does own the company? Um, are you doing social and environmental impact measurement and reporting? So that's possibly your HR and sustainability team having to have, you know, oh, we need to have a chat. Um, the, the next section is workers, which predominantly is going to be your HR team looking at, you know, what benefits do we give to our staff? Um, you know, what holiday entitlement do they get beyond state mandated? Um, what training and development opportunities do they get? But then you move into community and that's sort of volunteer days, financial contributions. So, okay, now all of a sudden, maybe HR is having a conversation with the finance team. Um, it also looks at supply chain. Oh, so hang on, we need to go and have a chat to the operations team about where we buy some stuff from. Um, then the next section is your environmental impact. So waste um, usage, water usage, power usage, emissions, et cetera, et cetera. So again, if, if HR is leading this, okay, we're back to having a chat with the sustainability team and possibly also the ops team again. And then the last section looks at your customer model. So what is it that you do and, and you know who's it provided to? And do you have quality assurance, guarantees, warranties? So all of a sudden, we're now talking to the marketing and sales team. So if we we typically find it, it could be sustainability that's driving B Corp, it could be HR, it could be ops, or it could be marketing, because wherever the sort of the main driving force has come from, and I guess depending on the size and scale of the company, a lot of companies don't have a, a full time sustainability officer, and so what we find is it's it's maybe ops, marketing, or finance, or HR who's being given B Corp as a special project, um, and that's I think really where the value of someone like us comes in, because if you don't understand sustainability, it it is a bit of a yeah. Sure. There's there's not much plain English language used in the assessment, that's for sure. But yeah, so it's a really useful tool to, to build, you know, to get the team together, break down some silos and galvanize some strategies that you've that you've maybe had in disparate teams to get well, actually, how does this all connect? But for me, more importantly, and we we are really dogmatic with our clients about making them bring their entire team on the journey. So we we start off all our engagements with what we call the kickoff session. So we we run typically an online workshop with the whole company where we explain to everyone in the company what is B Corp, where did it come from, why does this company want to be a B Corp, and what do we hope to get out of it? Because if you if you nail that piece, that the employee engagement piece, like. Without fail, the feedback we get from those kickoff sessions is, oh my gosh, the team are pumped, they're fizzing, they're so excited. You know, even angry Dave and tense Tracy are all over this. Like they've come out of the shells and they they just they're they're alive all of a sudden. Um and so yeah, you, you can really get the team engaged. And and then it's a real tool because the assessment tool in and of itself is quite a dry online assessment tool, which is like filling in a questionnaire, pretty dull and boring if done badly. Engage the team, but then ideally, again, how we work is right. Create a project team. Get get some people from the different departments to come and actually help fill out the questionnaire. And so, all of a sudden, you you let people bring themselves to work, and they go, actually, do you know what? I am really concerned about stuff that I see in our community. I'd like to have a look at the community section, and I've got some ideas for volunteer days and outreach days that I think would be really good for us as a company, but would actually also tick some boxes for me and a bunch of people in my team about us doing something genuinely meaningful rather than us all planting trees like we did last year, and no one actually likes planting trees or whatever it was. So it's kind of like a, it's almost like the Simpsons, I guess. It's like, you know, jokes within the jokes, you know, wheels within the wheels um, as to how you can use it as a tool to really create change. Uh, you know, and relatively quickly. 
Now you've you've highlighted a number of them as we've worked through the through the interview so far, but just to remind people, you know, let's say they go through the what can be, you know, quite a quite as you say, intrusive uh, exercise to you know really get under the under the hood on on, on your yep. business and, and your processes. What are the long term benefits uh, of becoming a B Corp certified business? Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, what aren't the long term benefits? Um, so some data. So so B Lab is the organisation that Jay. Um, but and Andrew set up in 2005, 2006. So B Lab is a non-profit organization that runs the certification system, um, updates the assessment tool, and, and is kind of responsible for, I guess, lobbying um, and um, community building amongst the B Corp community. And so every year, B Lab globally, as well as the local regional B Labs, collect all this data from the B Corps that are in their community because they just see what we've put in all our assessments and they can aggregate it and go, here we go. So in terms of, um, like I say, customers, employees, supply chain and finance are increasingly kind of putting people under the spotlight. But some examples from B Labs Impact Report. So B Corps are one and a half times more likely to be creating zero waste compared to their non-B Corp peer or competitor. So clearly that's a massive environmental win, but I would suggest there's probably also going to be some massive operational savings if you're creating no waste all of a sudden. Um, when you look at, um, there's some really good data. The UK has actually got some of the best data on the B Corp community. In 2018, I don't know if um, you're familiar with a, um, a magazine or a journal called The Grocer, which kind of looks at FMCG products and yeah. brands. Yeah. Anyway, so in, in 2018, they surveyed all 150 UK B Corps. That's worth just pausing on because there's now almost 2,000 B Corps in the UK. So just showing you the rate of growth. So in 2018, they surveyed all 150. B Corps grew at an average rate 28 times faster than GDP. 35% said that they'd attracted new customers since becoming a B Corp. And 48% said that prospective staff had, had basically come to them with a CV saying, I want to come and work for you because you're a B Corp. Um, some more recent uh, data from, I think it was 2020, 2021 UK impact reports. Um, 24% was the average turnover growth rate for a UK B Corp compared to 3% for the market. And staff attrition at um, a UK B Corp was on average 10% compared to about 17% for the non-B Corp. Um, and then there's my favorite one, which is from the University of Ghent. They did a panel data set study of European B Corps between 2012 and 2018. And as they state, this paper empirically shows that B Corp certification positively impacts turnover growth rates one year pre versus one year post certification. So Amazing. I've yet to find any evidence. And, and in fact, well, even better than that, in the middle of a global pandemic, 52% of B Corps were hiring more employees. So in 2020, 52% of B Corps hired more employees. 47% had employee growth of more than 15%. So I'm, I'm yet to be presented with any data that says B Corp possibly could detriment your business, unless you go through the process in a really bad manner and you burn a lot of bridges or something doing it. But sure. in general, the B Corp community, and there was similar data found in 2008, 2009, obviously smaller population, but the B Corp community outperformed the market in terms of resiliency post-GFC. and. I don't have to, I, I'm, I'm looking at working with a consulting group here to get this study done. My working theory is though, if you've got great relationships with your customers, with your employees, uh, with your supply chain and your investors, and people can see that your existence is actually making the people and planet better, well, people kind of want you to be around. 
Whereas if you are what I would call, you know, big evil bastards, Inc., and we are just trying to make as much money as possible, and we're happy to lay off staff at a moment's notice, and we're pretty, you know, rude in our local community. We may be dumping rubbish, you know, semi-legally, you know, if we can get away with it. You know, you're generally treating your supply, ch- your supply chain badly. Well, you're going to be the first one to go when it's like, oh, okay, we can pay two invoices this month. Which one do we pay? Oh, actually, yeah, those guys are just really not that nice to hang out with. Okay. Hey, Nick, he's a nice guy. Um, So that's my working theory. If you've got better stakeholder relationships and people can see the good that your business is doing, people need you. And and that really is the the essence of purpose is, you know, what is your contribution? You know, if people can clearly see that that your business is making a genuine contribution to people, planet, society, community, they'll want to come hang hang out with you. Whereas if it's like, hey, come and do spreadsheets for us for slightly more than the other people pay to do spreadsheets. Still, and you know, and we know what the talent and uh, retention and attraction is still one of the biggest challenges for, for businesses globally, right? So, uh, yeah. that could be the uh, the thing that makes the difference, as you said earlier on. I think you give a pretty compelling yeah. response uh, to the benefits <laughs> of B Corp, which is great. So, who are some of the existing B Corps? Those listening, maybe they're not familiar with some of the bigger brands that join the movement. Um, so I wonder if you could bring, bring to life some of those that have already gone through the process. Yeah, I mean, some of the well known ones at the big end of town would be like your Patagonias, um, the outdoor. Um, clothing company, yeah. um, Locutane, the beauty, health and beauty company, recently certified. Um, I think Innocent Drinks in the UK um, is um, is a B Corp. Um, yeah, there's um, there's a, you know it's a it's a real range of companies. Um, and and for me, I, I always say it's um, it's more about mindset and intent um, rather than you know, a specific industry sector or, or size sure. of company. So, you know, in this part of the world, um, earlier, it was earlier this year or late last year, the, the, the years are merging. Um, we we recently had Unilever Australia, New Zealand certified as a B Corp. So that's pretty big. Um, that's pretty big. But then, you know, there, there's me, um, who there's me and, and quite a small team here, um, you know, based in, in Christchurch. So, um, yeah, it's a real, a real mix. Um, I'm trying to think of other UK ones off the top of my head. Um, I'm less connected to the UK community. Sure. Um, Eco Union, um, Emma Bridgewater, Ethical Bedding, House of Hackney, um, Lily's Kitchen, whether these is are it, ringing any bells. Is it an expensive process, both in terms of time and financial commitment to, to, to go from non-B Corp to B Corp? So it, it, I guess it's, it, it's all relative. So if you're really behaving in a way that is 100% not B Corp at the minute, sure, then clearly there's going to be time, effort, change, yeah. resource that you have to throw at it. Um, I'd say the majority of companies doing B Corp currently are either very well aligned or pretty well aligned. And it's we're just kind of squeezing the lemon to, to, to get you to be that little bit better to get you across the line to get you to that 80 out of out of 200. Um, which is what you need to score on this on the that self-assessment to then be eligible for certification. Um, the cert, so the certification fees are based on a sliding scale. So they're pretty reasonable. Um, entry level, you're looking at probably a couple of grand for um, I think under a two million pound business. Don't don't quote me on that. I, I can sure. get a link to the UK sure. fees. Um, but yeah, it goes up in pretty small jumps based on your revenue. So it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um and then in terms of, yeah, time and effort, typically what we find is you'd have one person who we would call the king or queen bee, who is going to be your lead. Um, typically, we wouldn't, we would see most companies utilizing a headcount already in the team. 
and they they carve out you know this as a, as a special project um again if you're kind of aligned and you're doing some of the stuff and you've to be honest the, the big thing is having the board and senior leadership buy-in to be able yeah. to make change and um, we've worked with some larger companies and we we keep having to bounce up to the board and we have a board meeting and they go round and round for an hour and it's like cool is anyone going to make a decision on this um whereas typically we find that sort of medium-sized privately owned company whether you where you're talking to the ceo who might be the founder or a family member um you know who, who gets the business and they've said yeah we're going to do this there it's like, it's like gravy because they can just make a decision on the spot yeah yeah i love it that's really cool never thought about that yeah let's do that and then other, other stuff they go yeah look we're not so sure about that um I don't, I don't feel like we align with that so i don't want to do that cool but at least you know where you stand so yeah in terms of getting through the process it, 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 like i say it's a bit of a piece of string but that really is the value of engaging someone like myself is typically we, we either just sit down with a client for a day and do a very intense day of lifting going through literally each of the questions one by one to just help them articulate what they're doing and, and coach them to say well look you're currently doing this but actually if you get to here all you'd need to do is do this and again if you've got the ceo there they go yeah no i'm yeah. cool with that cool done um other companies um it's taken three years because you know they were maybe sitting at 30 points and we, we, you know, we, we're going to have to put some strategy and timeline and resource against it. So it really, really is, I call it a piece of string and a concertina in one. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure. No, that, you've articulated that really, really clearly, which is great. So I, I guess last question really is, um, where do you see the future of this going? You know, you, you see, you know, the rate of growth seems to be phenomenal. You mentioned earlier, 150 companies in the first uh, study. By the time you went back, it was over 2,000. And that was in yep. the UK alone, I think. So um, yep. it's, it's, it's growing exponentially. Um, what do you see the... The future for, or how do you see the future for the movement? And um, you know, why is it really, really important on the back of that for HRs to and people professionals listening yeah, to this yeah. to go? You know what? Let's not get left behind. Let's uh, let's move the needle on, the needle on this now. Yeah, and um, it's really interesting. That, so, so the you know, there is plenty of other certification systems out there. Um, sure, but somehow B Corp seems to capture the hearts and minds of people. Um, if you scroll through your LinkedIn feed. And see and and search, you know, by hashtag B Corp or you know B Corp certified. The number of uh, you know, I mean, I'm in a bit of a bubble. I see a lot of these posts, but the number of posts that you see, where it's like, wow, we're so proud to say that we're B Corp certified. You know, we did this and we had this, and we want to really thank our ops team and da 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 da. Show me those posts for ISO fourteen thousand and one, which is the ISO sustainability framework. Show me those posts for pretty much any other. ESG based framework or, or or really any other certification framework. <clears throat> you just don't seem to see them. So there's some, I think there is something innately human in what B Corp is trying to address by saying, you know, um I guess it was um actually um uh, Rose Macario, she was the former CEO of Patagonia, and she's got a great quote. She said, the B Corp movement is one of the most important of our lifetime, built on the simple fact that business impacts and serves more than just shareholders. It has an equal responsibility to the community and to the planet. And I think that really sums up why B Corp just captures people, because people realize that there's more, like I say, there's more than just me turning up doing my spreadsheet or selling as many widgets as I can today. There's more to life than that. So I think B Corp just captured that. It's captured some, some yeah deeper human essence that people are really connecting to. And I think it's just now going to become the new way of doing business. I mean, in in certain sectors, if, you, if you're in health and beauty, food and beverage, some advertising sectors, marketing, consulting, you know, agency type businesses, pretty soon, if you're not a B Corp, all your competitors will be. 
So all of a sudden, it's going to be table stakes that, you know, this is just how we operate. And so I think there's going to be over the next few years, I, I kind of just see that, I mean, in the UK, you guys have updated your Companies Act to now, for share, for shareholders, directors and owners, they now can choose to consider the impact of their operations on people, planet yeah. and what have you. So like the B Corp world makes you say that you will. So you, you're one word away in your Companies Act already from you having to think about all this stuff. And, you know, I, I know that B Lab and, and the B Corp community in the UK are, are, you know, they're lobbying to sort of say, no, look, this, this should just be how business behaves. If you're not, you know, thinking about your impact more broadly than just making money, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to be here for much longer. Sure. So, um, yeah, I, I think, for, like I say, for HR, I think, I think the, the big challenge, like you say, is, is, is talent recruitment and, and retention. And, genuinely connecting to a higher purpose and, and genuinely authentically going on that journey rather than, you know, I like picking on marketing people and, and accountants um, because I used to be in sales and I think sales always have that natural affinity to pick it on the marketing team and the accountants because I'm just really bad with numbers. And so that's purely just projection, me being mm -hmm. triggered that I'm bad at numbers. But, you know, typically we just find a lot of companies go to the marketing team or possibly even worse, go to a marketing agency. Oh, can you whip us a new purpose statement for us? Great. And we'll bang it out to the team. Pointless, you know. You've got to go and do some soul searching, you know, to actually work out who are we, what do we actually collectively care about as an organization, and and lead with that. You know, purpose needs to become strategy, and I think that's where HR L and D can play a real role is by, you know, proving that doing good and having people connect to actually wanting to do good and, and making that you know part of maybe the annual review. You know, so like, hey, what what social environment good have you done in your role this year? You know, I think that there's a pivotal role that, that that they can play to really help companies truly lead with a culture. You know, but but that's that's rooted in an, in a true essence rather than yeah, you know, we we have a ping pong table and we pay better than they do. You know, I think I think a lot of what you've said talks to what is the modern employee challenge, right? If we if we revert back to something you said earlier in the show, which is. Uh, you had a bit of a, a subconscious awakening due to, to both yep. small T and big T traumas that you were going through. You'd looked at your current businesses, realized it didn't align with your own values. Uh, and you found yourself on this path becoming a B Corp um, consultant, right? And helping other companies. Yep. Your enthusiasm for the subject comes through, right? It's really obvious you are now aligned yeah. with your values, your principles, and your motivations follow, 100%. right? And it's, it's really nice um, hearing the way you talk about the benefits because it's about business businesses working for purpose and trying to find purpose rather than just operating for profit, right? And it, but it's not necessarily the expense of profit. You can have both. That's the beauty of it. And actually, the stats yeah. you've quoted suggest that if you do this, actually the profits yeah. will even follow in a, in a greater significance yeah. than they did before. But, but, but um, that's the big irony. Like genuinely, if you just care about making money, you should really look at being a B Corp. But if you care about anything else, you should, you should, you should also think, yeah, about, yeah. You should think about being a B Corp. I mean, you've got, and just you've got my, my own, my own, you know, I'm a CEO of my own firm. We're not B Corp certified the minute you've got the uh you've got the wheels turning for me and we do i'd like to think we do a lot we're a great place to work certified great place to work for for women as well we're um we're one of the only companies that offer planet positive recruitment solutions so we will you know we do a lot of carbon offsetting for the placements that we make yeah. we try and offset the nice. carbon footprint of a an employee for one full year for each person we place and we offer nice. various services i think one of the challenges for us is Sometimes the other businesses you work with aren't necessarily that interested in the planet positive solutions you can provide. And that's a bit of a lesson for yep. us. It was kind of one of those things that we did and we thought everyone's going to want this. And why wouldn't you want to yep. be 
have a sustainable recruitment process. And actually, sometimes yep. it's not always top of their agendas, right? And that's been a bit yep. of a learning curve for us. But I think you've yep. um, you've really brought the the B Corp movement into 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 the to light for me. And I really appreciate you joining me on today's show. For those that want to find Thanks, out man. more about, um, you know, where they can either engage your services, Tim, or where they can find out more about yep. B Corp's uh, resources, what are some of the links that I can direct them to? Yep. Um, so if you, if you go to our website, growgood.co, um, if you want, I'll get, I've, we've got an ebook, which is basically called To Be or Not To Be, the What, Why and How yep. B Corp Certification. I'll get you a link for that so that you can share that or put it on your on your link so that you don't have to be spammed by me to sign up for the, you know, the capture thing. Um, yeah, come, come and check out the website. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. If you just look for Tim Jones, that B Corp bloke, I'll be on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, you know, like we, we've got UK clients. We've got US clients, Aussie, Hong Kong. Um, yeah, we, we can we can work anywhere. Um, yeah, we, we're always happy just to have a conversation and just see if it's the right thing for someone. And not to forget, of course, you're also a very experienced podcast host. You have the better, uh, the Be Better podcast, which you can find on Anchor yeah, FM. I'll make sure that the link for your show is on the show notes, along with the, uh, the ebook, which I believe is, as you said, to be or not to be. Uh, the what, why, and how of B Corp. It's a definitive guide to B Corp. So that link will also be in the show notes. Just click straight through. You can access that. Totally. I believe there's also a, a fantastic case study that I located, which if you don't mind, um, Tim, I'll include, yeah, yeah. which is... Yep. How you uh, helped um, the amazing humans at uh, Genoa get B Corp and get yep. their purpose of yeah, yep. so they, they were a really good um, case study, actually. So fast-growing cosmetics, nutrition, health brand. Um, we were talking with uh, Monique, their CEO, and Colleen, their chief operating officer. And I said, hey, look, you know, it'd be really good if you could get some of the team to come on the journey. Um she said, "Yeah, cool. Yeah, we, we we booked all the you know all the engagements in." She emailed the whole the whole company, twenty six people. Said, "Hey, look, if you want to come to these sessions, you can. It's you know, but if if you've got something else on, don't stress." The whole company came and went through the entire B Corp assessment as a company. Just what they got out of that was just exponential human growth. Um, just to have they saw so much under the hood and everyone got to really understand how the business works and why Monique had started the business. And yeah, they got, you know, genuine tears going through the process for some of the team when they understood like the depth to what the company was about. So again, like, you know, you don't get that going through ISO. Well, normally tears of, oh my gosh, they've asked for another document. <laughs> well, I'll make sure that case study is uh, is linked in the show notes yeah. as well. So if you listen to this, click on the show notes, whatever your preferred po- podcast platform is, and you're going to find the links to all of those um, resources I've just mentioned, including uh, links to your Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn profile as well. And of course, if you are someone listening to this show, you need support with a recruitment-related uh, vacancy in the world of HR or L&D, uh, you can actually access our Planet Positive ESG recruitment solution. Uh, it's called Greenify, so I'll put a link to that as well. Uh, of course, I'd love to support you with any recruitment requirements you may have. So do get in touch with either myself or my team at jgarecruitment.com. Just leaves me to say a final thank you to Tim Jones, uh, the B Corp Certified Specialist here on today's HLND podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure, Tim. It's been a whirlwind whistle-stop tour, uh, and I'm really glad you joined us because it certainly opened my eyes. I hope it's opened the eyes of our listeners as well. Thank you ever so much. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Tim here, that B Corp bloke from Grow Good. If you want more content on purpose, B Corp, how to do more good in the world as an individual or a business, then you know the drill. Hit the like and subscribe. Check out some of my other videos. They're probably floating around here somewhere. You know how it works. Thank you so much. See you next time.